scripture reading, Revelation 7, 13 through 17. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they, and where did they come from? Answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are the ones who came out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits at the throne will spread his tent over them. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Amen. Thank God for his word this morning. Fantasy Island was a 1977 sitcom based on people coming to this island to live out their fantasies for three days. They were able to do this. Some people live in a fantasy today as well. You know, Fantasy Island, people would come and see uh, to the island. Uh, The co-host, Mr. Tattoo, would stand in this big tower and he would watch for the plane to come by. When he saw the plane, he would tell the host, Mr. Rourke, the plane, the plane. He would come down and stand by Mr. Rourke and they would stand together as the people came down from three days to live out their fantasy. Well, you know, I kind of got thinking about that. People live in a fantasy world today, and I'll just put it from a man's perspective in sports. How about fantasy football league, right? You pick your quarterback, you pick your running back, you pick this, you pick that, and if the dude ain't doing so good, you want to trade him for somebody else. But also, I suspect most of your children, if they're like mine, they got these video games, and they'll play these video games from morning to midnight. And they live in a fantasy land, either racing their cars around or being in a war. Fantasy is a part of our lives today. Well, I think the Apostle John in the book of Revelation lived in a moment of fantasy. Let me just say some of the things that he had seen. John saw a new heaven and a new earth. He saw streets of gold, a pure crystal river coming from the throne of God. He saw beasts worshiping this God. That pretty much seems like a fantasy to me. Somebody to be caught up in that and see something like that. I wouldn't believe a word the man had to say. But this was his fantasy. But Fantasy Island, people's fantasies, and John's fantasy, all of them had to pay a price. To go to Fantasy Island, you had to pay $50,000 to experience what you wanted to live. And during your time on the island, you went through some very bad things so that you could be shown the price you would have to pay to fulfill this fantasy. Fantasy football. I hear guys talk. They go nuts over this stuff. Some of them gamble in it. Gamble, you lose money. In in the life of fantasy, you gamble and you take risks. In video games, you forsake your family and people around you to play a crazy game for 8, 9, 10, 12 hours at a time. You give up things to live these fantasies. In order for John to see what he saw in the book of Revelation, John had to pay a price. First, he was put in jail at Patmos. 
He told the churches, listen, I'm just like you are. I'm in prison for the name of Jesus Christ. I've accepted him as Lord and Savior, and now I'm in bad shape. Not only was he put in prison, but Jesus says, now I want you to go write seven churches. And here's what I want you to say to these seven churches. And it pretty much started out with repent. Repent and turn your life around. Of course, he said good things to him at the end. But John had to go say to the church, repent and turn your life around. I think it's kind of funny. Fifty years after the day of Pentecost, their church is already struggling, bickering, and fighting. Fifty years. So... We don't have a shot today. If they'd done it 50 years after Jesus done it, I'm pretty sure in the 21st century we're going to fight, bicker, and argue because somehow the nature of man plays a role in all that. But he had to write to churches. And uh, in, he also witnessed six seals of judgment on mankind. Before he gets to chapter 7, John had to do these things. So when he writes in chapter 7, there's a pause in the action. Everything has stopped all of a sudden. 144 tribes of Israel, they're sealed. The Bible says a great multitude, they come to worship God. And then John wonders what's happening in this, what he's seeing in this uh, fantasy that he has. Or this dream, we'll just call it a dream from here on out. Or vision, what this, what's going on? And the elder says, do you understand what's happening? Says John says, no. And the elder explains to him what is happening in his vision. The central theme of Revelation in general, and chapter 7 specifically, is one person, and that's the lamb. The word lamb is used 29 times in the book of Revelation, and in chapter 7, the word lamb is used four times specifically. And what I want to say about the lamb... In this time, everybody had to come and worship the Lamb. The Lamb was to be praised and glorified. When it was all paused, it was the Lamb that paused it. When John says, who can open the books? He says, behold, the Lamb of God. He's able to open the book. He's able to open the seals. Where will we go to when we need help? Behold, the Lamb of God. Everybody ran to the Lamb. He is the focal point of the book of Revelation. Everyone worships the Lamb. Where do they worship the Lamb? In His presence. They call it the sanctuary. They came into the sanctuary and they worshiped the Lamb of God. How did they worship this Lamb? First, with their voices lifted high. The Bible says they lifted their voices to God and gave Him the praise and the glory for the Lamb of God that was slain on their behalf. With palms in their hands. Just like in the days of Jesus, they waved the palms when he come through to be royal, the king of kings and lord of lords. They raised their palms and they lifted their hands to the Lamb of God. They worshiped the Lamb with their bodies. The Bible says they bowed down before him. They reverenced him. They honored him. And they said, our bodies belong to you. Our lives belong to you. They bowed to the Lamb. How did they worship the land? With their lives. The Bible says they were at the throne of God serving him day and night. All kinds of people came to worship the lamb. The results of this group of people coming to the throne of God, giving him the glory and the honor, sparked the ears and eyes of other people that stood around the throne. When the others heard their praise, they began to worship the lamb. 
Those that had been touched by God, saved by God, pulled out tribulation. The Bible says they worshiped the land. The elders saw what was happening. The angels saw what was happening. Everybody saw what was going on. And the Bible says they began to worship the land. And they gave him glory and honor and thanksgiving for who he is and what he had done. Why such an expressive worship? Why worship God in this manner? And I want to say it's because of one word salvation salvation means rescued from disaster freed from tyranny and given a new life they were rescued from disaster tribulation was coming trials was coming bad things was coming but they took time to worship the land because he delivered them from that mess Just as God delivered the children of Israel from a bad situation, as he promised he was going to take them into the future, when the king of kings and lord of lords went into the sanctuary, went into the temple, and the people bowed to him and worshipped him, they knew that he was the savior of the world, that he was going to rescue them and turn them around. They were saved from disaster. They were freed from tyranny and the oppressor. All the people that took them to captivity. All the people that laughed at them and made fun of them and told them they would never get it right. They were freed from that tyranny. And they were giving a new life. God made them new. God sealed them with the Holy Spirit. He sealed the tribes of Israel. He sealed them with a seal. He seals every man, woman, boy, and girl who knows Jesus Christ as Savior. He seals us with his Holy Spirit. They were sealed by the living God. He says in Revelation 7 that God washed their robes with the blood of the Lamb. Their robes were all dirty and all nasty. And the King of kings and Lord of lords came and says, Let me clean you up. Let me make you right. They were gathered from the storm. Tribulation was coming. The seals of judgment was falling down on the people. God was really letting the churches have it. But the lamb came in and said, Here, I love you, and I will protect you, and I will gather you in, and the storm will not bother you. It says in Revelation, He quenched their hunger. He satisfied their thirst. He healed their pain. He protected them from the elements. He done for them what they could not do for themselves they couldn't save themselves they couldn't change their situation they couldn't turn it around but the lamb came in and says let me do this for you and when they saw the lamb they wanted to run to the lamb and they wanted to worship the lamb and the king of kings you see unlike fantasy island where you had to pay 50 grand or our fantasies and what we try to do and john's fantasies the lamb The Lamb of God paid the price for them, and he was worthy of all worship, all glory, and all honor. The trials of life did not matter. All the glory of heaven did not matter. The riches and splendor of the new Jerusalem coming down did not matter. John saw all these things. The churches heard all about these things. The people that were in there seeing all these things. None of that stuff mattered to them. All they wanted to do was get to the Lamb. They said, where is the Lamb of God? I must worship Him. He is all that mattered. Nothing else mattered to these people but to get to the Lamb and to thank Him. To thank him and give him glory for what he had done on their behalf. 
John says, I need to find this lamb. I want to worship this lamb. I want to honor this lamb. The tribe says, we want to get up under the lamb to give him the glory that he deserves. That's all that matters to us. I think that should be the same thing you and I do today. This should be our frame of mind when we come into the house of God for worship. All the trials of life for a moment of time should be set aside. And as beautiful as this building is and all of what we have in here, that should not be considered at all. The things that we love around us and we love things and we love people and those things are important. Things that seem valuable to us, they don't mean a thing. God is here in our midst. No, when we come to the house of God, when we walk through the door, all should matter is the Lamb of God that was slain for us. When we come in here, we come to worship Him and give Him glory and give Him honor, and that is all that should matter to us. So in this church building, in His presence, in this tabernacle, in this temple, what do we do? We lift our voices in song. We sing to the King of kings. We sing to the Lord of lords. And we say, you and you alone are worthy of all glory and all honor. We lift our hearts in praise. We praise him for what he done on the cross of Calvary. We praise him for changing our lives and making us new and putting the past behind us. We give him thanks for that. We lift our prayers in thanksgiving when we petition God. And God, we need your help. We need your guidance. We need your direction. We give him thanksgiving that he will, in his time, answer our prayers and heal our hearts and touch our lives. He will do it. We give our resources in gratitude. Whatever we have, we give to him for his glory and honor, whether it's money, time, teaching, whatever we do, we do it in gratitude of what he has done for us. We offer him our whole lives. Everything that I am, everything that I want to be, everything that I attain to, I want to give to him. We don't compartmentalize our lives and say, this belongs to you and this doesn't. When they came to the land, they said, it all belongs to you. Everything that we have and who we are belongs to him. Why? Why do we do this? Because the lamb gave us salvation. He rescued every one of us from disaster, from an old way of life, from being in sin, from dying and going to hell. He rescued us from that pit. He saved our souls and he changed our lives. And when he done that, he freed us from tyranny. I know we've heard it. We've all made mistakes in our past life and people judge us and try us and condemn us based on that. They can never let us go free. They can never let us alone. But the Lamb, He freed us. He don't condemn us. He don't judge us. He freed us from all that tyranny. And if other brothers and sisters in Christ would treat their other brothers and sisters in Christ, we would be so free and we'd be so successful because the Lamb done it for us. He freed us from tyranny. He gave us a new life. A new direction, a new attitude, a new place to go, new things to do for his glory and honor. And he sealed us with his Holy Spirit. When we accepted Christ as Savior, you can't get no more saved than that. You confirmed it in baptism, sealed in the water, 
given the Holy Spirit, and now you live that experience out. He has sealed us. He rules and reigns in our hearts. He lives in our lives. And his spirit is guiding us and leading us all along the way. He washed our old lives with the blood of the Lamb. Jesus Christ gathered us in from the storm. I can remember being thrown out in a ditch one night. We got pulled over by the cops. My buddy got mad. He wasn't drunk. I was gone. He pulled because I was throwing up everywhere. I got down to the house. Don't take me to the house. My mom and dad see me like this. It's over. Throw me into the ditch. Three hours later, I got where I was going. I walked up to the house and laid in the bed and fell asleep. When I accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, that stuff was gone. It was dead. It was buried. He protected me, and he brought me in from the storm of where I was heading. I was headed in a bad direction, and that's what the Lord Jesus Christ does. Whether in your life, he will protect you in that storm, and he will bring you through. Does he not quench our hunger? Does he not satisfy our thirst? Does he not heal our pains? This is what he does. He protects us from the elements. He done for you and I what we could not do for ourselves. He paid the price on our behalf. He said, I will pay that price for you. I will die for you. I will rise again for you. I will pay that debt on your behalf because you cannot do it. And as we worship the Lamb, just like they did in the book of Revelation, these uh, tribulation saints worshiped God and honored God. The angels couldn't worship God like that. They never experienced salvation. They heard what these people were doing. They heard them. And they said, oh my goodness, you must be something else, almighty God. And they begin to give him glory and honor. When you and I worship the Lamb... In this church building, outside the church building, wherever we're at, when we give him the glory and the honor that he deserves, others will hear our praise. They will hear us lifting up the Lamb of God of what he's done in our life, and they will hear that excitement, and they will also come to him. You see, we can't save nobody. We can't change anything. But as we worship and honor and give glory to the Lamb, He changes it all. And other people around us will hear that and they will want to come to Him too. And I just don't want to make it blase like you just go out and tell them they're going to come to Christ. I'm not saying that. As you honor Him and lift Him up and give His word to somebody else, the word will get in the heart of that other person. And they might start tearing that person up. They might get mad at you, disagree with you. But the word is working what it's supposed to do. But allow the lamb to work in their lives. It happens all the time. You just say, I don't want to be that way no more. I don't want to walk that way no more. I don't want to be like that no more. God has changed me and let it be at that and let him do the work that he wants to do. They will hear that. They will see that. And they too will come to the lamb. So I want to ask you this morning, are you struggling? Is all the things around you got you bothered and bogged down? Have you forgotten what Christ has done for you? Have you walked away from him? Have you turned from him? Do you just need to be uplifted in your own spiritual life? Does he need to touch your heart? Forget everything that's around you and come to the Lamb. 
Let him touch you. Let him feel you. Let him change you. Let him minister to your heart and do the work that he wants to do. If you're hurting, he's here for you. Let us pray this morning. Heavenly Father, I come to you now in Jesus' name as we seek your face for just a few moments and ask you to do a work in our lives. John the Revelator had only one thing on his mind, and that was to run to the Lamb of God because only the Lamb could fix it. Only the Lamb can change our lives. Only the Lamb can heal our hearts. As beautiful as things are around us, if it's going good, if it's going bad, all those things fell to the one who died and rose again. Now I ask you to speak to us during this time, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Are you able to do that, Chris? I w- if you would, this is a little um, video. Maybe not. Just turn your head sideways. No. <laughs> but I want you to just, just, this is a representation of what these people viewed heaven as. You got the volume there? This is a song based on Revelation 7. And I'm sorry it's turned sideways. Turn it up a little bit. And as I entered the gates, I cried holy. And all the angels, they all met me there.
stand with me this morning that's what God does he brings us right out of that water and gives us a new life now father I just thank you for the lamb of God he's the only thing that matters in our lives king of kings and lord of lords the one who died and rose again if we are struggling if we're hurting I pray God that you just touch the hearts this morning that you want to touch that, Lord Jesus, do the work that you want to do in the lives of this congregation. Be exalted and be lifted up, Father. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I would like to close you with the scripture before you're dismissed. He which testifies these things say, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. In Jesus' name, amen.